Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They will be able to use this word and God not make their lives better a year from now, not a month from now. God, not a week from now, not even a day from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hold up your Bibles. It doesn't matter the form they take and say this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed. And I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, before I show you this first image, I got a really, really short Smith story for you. My wife and I were together. I can't remember if we were at the table or whatever, but we were, we were together, and she has her phone out, and she's swiping through her phone, and she says to me, she says, hey, Ben. I say, yeah, babe. She says, it says here that studies show that Viagra helps slows down the progression of Alzheimer's. I looked at her, and I say, well, I want you to know. <laughs> if it comes down to it, I'll take the pill from my memory. <laughs> she say, uh-huh. For your, for your memory, huh? I say, yeah, girl. For my mentals. For nothing else, though. But I'll take it for my mentals. <laughs> First image. I, for my mentals, you feel me? I got a first image for you. It's the image that you've already seen of the tree. There's another one here. Not this, not this image, but there's another. It's similar, but it has some actual words on the sides of the tree. But this, this image gets you the gist of it. Loved ones, we have settled it. That for every single one of us, the fruit that we see from each other reflects who we really are. A tree can say all it want to that it's an apple tree. But if it's got mangoes hanging off the branches, it is not an apple tree. 
it be a mango tree. Likewise, when we're talking about people, when somebody says and they proclaim that they are a good person, however, they are still showing evidence of, you know, bad fruit, more than likely, they are making a false claim about being a good tree. They are not, more than likely, a good tree. More than likely, they're a bad tree. When we think about just how all of that fits together, the good tree and the bad tree, we can agree that all of us are striving to be more like Christ, to be more like God. I'm not saying that. Each and every one of us, if we were to sit here and do a real evaluation, we would say none of us is error free. None of us has have never made a mistake. And guess what? None of us are probably not going to slip up and do something down the road. We're not saying that you're that you're error. You need to be error free. Everybody is going to make a mistake or two. But when it comes down to your tree type, though. You are not a God tree if you keep mass producing devil fruit. You can tell that to somebody else. Because if your fruit say who your daddy is and your fruit not God fruit, don't call yourself no good tree. We've done a whole bunch of discussion about the Holy Spirit and how we want that Holy Spirit to come in and the mind of the Holy Spirit take over the mind of your soul. We said you had two minds. The soul has a mind. If I can point to my mid-session, the, the interior of you has a mind. And we started there. Why did we start there? It was the perfect, perfect place to start because that soul, that's the originator of all your urges and all the activities that go on in your body. The soul. It's that receptor for all your five senses, the soul. It's, it's that place that, that flesh lives there. The flesh dwells there. That carnal nature dwells there on the inside of your soul. And by the way, if you didn't get it from last week, when we're talking about allow the mind of the Holy Spirit to take over the mind of your soul, we're saying that you have to decide, you have to be the one that determined who your daddy going to be. There's no straddling the fence with God. You can't have one foot in the devil house and one foot in God house. As far as God is concerned, if you got any foot in any area other than his foot area, his space, you don't belong to him. You're trying to play God and God shall not be played. Don't be deceived. God shall not be mocked. He's not going to be played with. He's not a game. He's not a toy. He's not something you get that you unwrap that way. No, that's not how he do. You have to decide. And given that you have to decide and assuming that everybody left here saying, you know what? God is going to be my daddy. We made that confession. And we said, don't make it if you didn't mean it. We also said that you could tell us anything, but let's, let's go past that. Knowing that that's the case, that we all are supposed to have two feet in God's camp. The time has come for us to elevate our discussion, literally. We've done enough discussion about 
the mind of your soul on the on, on the interior of you. It's time for us. Guess what? To talk about what's going on between your two ears. It's time to talk about. Yeah, the mind that's in your head, which also means we have to talk about your brain and the brain is going to be probably the majority of our discussion. Just to make sure, though, that nobody gets confused of the difference between the brain and the mind. Let's go back to a previous image. Ooh, look at that. Y'all so good. <laughs> the image that you're getting ready to see talks about the parallels between the mind and the brain. What I want you to recall is that both the mind and the brain they all in the same space as the brain. The mind lives in the brain or is in the brain, but the mind's not the brain. They're different. The mind is abstract. The brain is physical. The mind the mind okay the mind puts the brain to work. Now, what the brain does is the brain puts the body to work. Notice the change. If we look at this analogy starting from the left, we would say that the mind is the driver. The brain is the car in general, but specifically the brain is the part of the car that gets all the parts of the car to go. For example, the driver pushes the gas, but something in the car has a brain that says when the gas gets pushed, all these other parts need to do something. When the guy turns the steering wheel or the girl turns the steering wheel, stir, steering wheel, all the other things need to happen to make it happen. When you turn on the thing to, to flick the blinker to change lanes, something is supposed to happen. That's the analogy with your mind and your brain and your body. Your mind says something, your brain is in charge of making sure it all gets done because it tells your body what to do. What about this next one? If you think about the orchestra, the mind is the, <laughs> the, mind is the composer. The brain is the conductor. So the brain is in charge of telling all the musicians what to play, when to play it, and how to play it. From your body, your mind tells the body what to do, then your, 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 thank you. Your mind tells your brain what to do, then your brain tells your body parts what to do. So your mind gets the idea to kiss him, your brain actually makes it happen. Your mind gets the idea to do, I don't know, something good or bad, but your brain is the one that tells all the different instruments and folks to start doing stuff. All right, what about computer? Your brain, your mind is the CPU, the brain is the hard drive. So your brain, just like a computer, it stores all those apps and all that data. It stores stuff for long-term storage for future use. In this case, your brain stores like all your memories all the stuff that you learned, all the stuff that made you who you are, your experiences, stored right there. 
Hopefully these analogies give you an idea of why it's important that we do not exit this series before we talk about the brain, specifically what's in there. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside, and that's where we want the Holy Spirit to reside. But doggone it, we have to also invest some time in repopulating what's in that brain. Loved ones, your flesh uses your previous history and your previous processes that are stored up in your brain to convince your soul, to tell your mind, to tell your brain, to tell your body to, to fulfill the dictates of the flesh. Do you see that? Based on what's in your, in your head, who you used to be, where you from, who did what to you, all of that stuff, your flesh says, okay, goes into the brain files and tell your soul and tell your mind and tell your brain and tell your body to do something. Now that you are in Christ, you should be putting godly inputs in your brain such that now the Holy Spirit in you can ultimately tell your mind to tell your brain for your body to do God's will. All of that is the progression that we need to work with. Go to John chapter 8. Amplified classic, starting in verse 31. Because the information that we store in our brains is super important. If you have been listening to the series, I'm going to agree right up front. I know what I told you. I told you that mental ascent is not enough. That mental ascent is not what you can hang your hat on when it comes to you having the mind of Christ operate in your life. What I hope you haven't done is taken the body of what we talked about and missed it. Because in the body of what we talked about, there's at no time did I imply that the information that's in your brain is insignificant because it's not. What is stored up in your brain is not trivial. It is meaningful. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31, talking to a group of Jews. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Some translations say, make you free there. The specific translation aside, though, I want you to look at that verse 32. Because that verse 32, when you really look at it, and we are going to split this hair, but it's for a purpose. It does not say that the truth frees you. It says the truth that you know is what frees you. Not just the truth, but the truth that you know. Say this with me. It's not just the truth that frees me. 
it's the truth that I know that sets me free. Yeah, that sets you free or makes you free, however you want to say it. Prior to your, to your life in Christ, your, your, your brain, or, or what my daddy used to call it, your knower, your knower. Prior to your life in Christ, your knower was full of all the histories and philosophies and the memories and the stuff that made you who you are, the old you. Now that you are in Christ, though, your brain has the opportunity to be repopulated by some new and pertinent information. That means that you are in charge of making sure as your task to put godly stuff in your brain. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Amplified Classic. You know this scripture, this verse of scripture very, very well. Because one way to populate your knower with God is to study his word. Amplify classic, study to and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God, approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Now, check that out. It doesn't say that you should merely read the word. It says that you should correctly analyze and accurately divide it. That gives the implication that you should handle the word more like a disciple and not just be a mere reader. Go to Hebrews 13. In Hebrews 13, in the Amplified Classic, in verse five, because family, the more you read God's word, the more you learn of him. And the more you learn of God, the more God permeates your knower. If you were to read the word of God, what you would find out, what would get populated in your brain is the thought, is the word, is the content, is the data that the God you serve, your father, he has said he'll never fail you nor, he, nor forsake you. It says, let your character and moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have, for he, God himself, has said, Listen to what God says. I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly, assuredly not. If you're studying your word, that's what's getting populated in your brain for your mind to be able to see. Continually feeding your brain godly material is important. Now, this is going to come against some traditional thinking. But let's go ahead and 
Slide it on in there. Might as well. I realize that what we do as believers is we sit in, a, in an area like this and we have people teach and preach to us about how we should take the spirit of God and fill our spirit with God. Fill us, God, fill us up on the inside. Well, let me tell you, it's important that you fill your head up with God, too. It is important that you fill your mind, your, your brain up with godly materials, too. It's, it's, it's as, as important. Mm. I'm out there now, so I can't come back. You have to give the Holy Spirit something to work with other than, take a breath, but other than blind faith. Yeah. As believers, we are quick to imply that. But faith is not really blind. Look at this image. Loved ones, patience. Never fool yourself into thinking that the essence of faith is always the state of not knowing something. You as a person have probably done this. Someone has come to you and they've liked what they saw you doing. They were impressed or whatever. And they ask you, what made you do that? And you say to, your, you say to them, I just stepped out on faith. As if to imply that you stepped out on nothing. I stepped out on faith. But let me tell you, you didn't step out or put your hope in nothing. You stepped out on something. You stepped out on God. You stepped out specifically on what you had learned of God up to that point, and you stepped out in hopes that what you had learned was real. You didn't step out on nothing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 in the King James Version. Because everything that you have and your that you had when you began with God, it came because you learned of him. That something about God hit your brain. Information about God got through your head. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amplified Classic reads this way. So faith comes by hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. Your faith in God began because somebody preached or taught, or you heard a discussion, or you did some self-reading, self that's how you began your faith. And guess what? Your faith in God grows even stronger the more you continue to learn of him. 
And learning of God, learning of him is, it's good to, to open your Bible and learn of him. That's our primary written source. But it's more impactful to learn about God through experience for yourself. Paul pins this in Ephesians chapter 3, Amplified Classic, starting in verse 17. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth, depth of it that you may really come to know? Here you go practically through experience for yourself. The love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. It's one thing to have book knowledge. It's a whole nother thing to experience God for yourself. That is a far more impactful way to know you learn about God in your brain. Then you have experience with God. But guess what? That also gets stored in your brain. Which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled through all your being until all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Look at this image. I want to say this. Say this with me. Because experiencing God is a far superior way of learning, of learning about him. It's a far superior way of learning about God. I want you to say this with me. Ready? Go. Book knowledge is good, but once your knower receives experienced history, your faith in God solidifies. It's, it's okay to crack open your Bible, and we should. We should, as believers, as disciples, we should crack open our Bible. You should come and get taught. You should get the word on it. But guess what? Once you have experience with who God is, that's a lot, that solidifies your faith. Family, it is one thing to read and hear about the grace of God. But once you have experienced God's grace for yourself, it is settled in you that God is gracious. And no situation and no person can convince you differently. It is one thing to hear about God's goodness. But once you have experienced God's goodness for yourself, it is settled in you that God is good. And no person and no situation can shake you from that. It's one thing to hear about God is kind. But you know what happens once you actually experience God's kindness? Can't nobody convince you that God's loving kindness ain't real. It's one thing to hear about God's mercy. But when you actually experience God's mercy, 
can't nobody convince you that your God is not merciful. It's one thing to hear about God's provision. But when you actually experience God's provision, can't nobody, can't no situation convince you that God is not a provider. It's one thing to hear about God can heal. But you know what? Hearing about it, reading about it, can't hold a candle to when you experience the fact that God has healed you. All of a sudden, can't no situation or no person convince you that your God is not a healer. It's one thing to learn about God's favor, to hear about God's favor. But when you experience God's favor for yourself, can't nobody convince you that God does not favor the righteous and that favor does not surround you like a shield. You can hear all day and read all day and have somebody preach about all day about God's protection. But once you experience God's protection, can't nobody convince you that your God is not a protector. No situation, no person can convince you of that. Oh, yeah, you can read about how God can make a way out of no way. You can hear about how God can make a way out of no way. But guess what? Once you experience God make a way for you when it seemed like there was no way, can't nobody convince you that your God is not a way maker, that he's not a miracle worker, that he's not a promise keeper. The song says that's who he is. Why? Because your experience told you that. Book knowledge is good. But your experience locks that thing in. Your experience calls that thing done. Your experience takes what's preached and locks it in. It takes what is heard and locks it in. It takes what you have read and locks it in. And it locks it in in your brain. When God has delivered you, you don't forget that. I know you need the Holy Spirit in your in your spirit, but doggone it, you need God in your brain too. You need him there. I told you I was going to tell you before we was done. I was going to tell you again. Family, you got to lose your mind. Look at the image. You got to lose your mind. And what I'm talking about is the mind of the old you. It's okay to be washed by the blood of the lamb, but you got to let that blood wash your mind too. And part of washing your mind, look at this, the mind and the brain are in the same space. You got to do some repopulation of all the junk that your brain has gotten in it over the years. So in losing your mind, you also have to be repopulating your brain. Say this with me, say, I got to lose my mind. And we're we, we not talking about you going loopy. We're talking about you losing the mind of the old man. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
verse 17, King James Version. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, say all things. All things become new. All means all. We can't just take that to mean my spirit is new. No, we're going to change our ideals, change our attitudes. That means whatever it is that's populated between your ears, we got to deal with that, too, because all things need to be new. The combination of knowing God through his word and experiencing God, that is a whole different level of comprehensive and intensive learning of him. When you pair those two things, the, the word that you read, the preaching that you get with experience, that's learning about God on a whole different level. And when you do that, it gives the Holy Spirit the ammunition that it needs to combat against, yep, your flesh. It gives the Holy Spirit the ammunition that it, need, that it needs to combat your old way of thinking, to combat your old way of talking, to combat your old way of acting, to combat your old, your old way of making decisions, to combat your old way of relating to people, to combat, to combat your old way of responding to situations. When you take the time to learn of God and you combine the word that you get with experience with him, with that renewed spirit, it gives the Holy Spirit, it gives it ammunition to help you lose your mind, that old mind. It also paves the way for the mind of Christ to come in and make you and give you a totally new mentality. Say this with me. Therefore, Therefore we should, we should. We should. <laughs> oh, let's do that again. Therefore, Therefore we, should we should be very selective, be very selective about, the about the information we purposefully, we purposefully store in our heads. Loved ones, we should be purposeful about that because it matters. Now, bluntly stated, I'm going to give you a tagline or a catchphrase. Because when it comes to the memories that we intentionally invite into our head, there is something that we need to stand by. I do realize that there are things that happen to you that you have no control over. There, your, your brain is always storing stuff. And some things that get stored because stuff just happened to you and it gets registered. But a lot of stuff that ends up in our brain is because we invite that memory. Here's your tagline. Ready? Read. I got to cut out the junk. 
I must be very selective about the information I purposefully store in my head. Whenever you're doing something, you might not see it as a purposeful invitation of a memory, but that's what it is. When you get ready to read something, the very next time you get ready to read something, before you do, ask yourself, is this good or is it junk? Ask yourself, is this something that's going to help the Holy Spirit in me make a difference in me? Or is it going to hinder the Holy Spirit? Is this something that's going to help me have the mind of Christ? Or is it something that's going to promote me thinking differently? Is this something that's going to draw me nearer to God? Or is it going to make me more worldly? Is this good for me or is it junk? The next time you get ready to watch something, before you press play, Ask yourself, is this good or is it junk? Hey, I don't care who's starring in it. I don't care what race they are. I don't care who produced it. I want to, you need to ask yourself, is this good for me or is this junk? Is this going to help the Holy Spirit or hinder it? Is this going to give me the mind of Christ or cause me to think like somebody else? Is it going to bring me closer to God or make me more worldly? Is it good for me or is it junk? The next time you get ready to play, press play and listen to that thing, I don't care where it is. I don't care who sent it to you. I don't care how much, you know, well, they send me stuff all the time. Well, maybe you shouldn't be listening to what they send you all the time. Is what you are getting ready to put, put in your headphones and put those buds in your ear and let get deposited in your brain to cause a memory, is that good for you or is it junk? Is it helping the Holy Spirit? Is it getting the mind of Christ in you? Is it helping you be more like God? Or is it making your fruit worse? Before you hang out with that person or those people next time, Ask yourself, is me hanging out with these people good or is it junk? Are they going to help me be more Holy Spirit minded? They're going to help me be more Christ minded. Are they going to help me be more God minded? Or are they going to help me be more worldly? Are they going to draw me away from God? Relationships. Before you take the next step to get yoked up with that person, ask yourself, honestly, not for play play, for real. Is this person good for me or is this person junk? Because you are inviting a memory into your brain. You have to settle that question right there. Is it good for me or is it junk? It would be wise for you to settle that question because the very your response and the very next move that you make is going to invite in your brain a memory. And as much as I would like to tell you differently. 
Here is, here is a truth that is, for some of us, the sad truth that we wish were not true, but it is the case. Once you invite that memory, loved ones, there are certain things you cannot do. You cannot unread it. Once you invite that memory in, you cannot unhear it. Once you invite that memory in, you cannot unsee it. Once you invite that memory in, you cannot unexperience it. That memory is yours for life. You bought it. You earned it. You took it home. No returns. That memory is yours. And if what you decided to deposit in your brain was junk, you have junk for life. It is an oh oh baby. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> I promise you, I won't take this too far, but I want each and every one of us to seriously just take a second and think about that thing that wasn't good for you, that you made the determination to take that next step, and you ended up with a memory that is still with you that you wish you didn't have. We all have them. Something that you said, something that you did, something that happened to you physically, something that you ingested. I don't know what it is. But that question, is this good for me or is this junk? It's critical because that memory that gets deposited in your brain can be the very thing that blocks the Holy Spirit from making you all that you can be. Because every time that Holy Spirit reaches out to you to make you new, that memory pops back up and either gives the flesh the upper hand or gives you problem or slows you down from becoming or pursuing God. Of course, we can't do anything about the memories we have already, but you can make a better decision going forward to make sure what you invite in your brain as a memory, that that thing is good for you. Because once you invite the memory in, it's yours. So every deposit is a big deal. And we should always endeavor to make sure our deposits are a good one, are good ones, because what's in your head, it matters, believer. When we hear the word believer, we often take it directly to the spiritual. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. But if you fail to realize the practical that can hinder you, the fact that you continue to pour junk in that is causing you to have fears, that is causing you to doubt, that is causing you to, to question, that is causing you to have pain, that is causing you to have tears, that's causing you to, well, not experience the fullness of God. If you continue to put in junk, part of the problem is, is, is you. 
So every deposit matters. We need to realize that what we are recording in our brains is either helping or hindering the Holy Spirit. And if it's helping the Holy Spirit, then it's helping the Holy Spirit instill the mind of Christ in you. If it's hindering the Holy Spirit, then it's hindering your ability to experience the mind of Christ in your life. I love you guys so much. There's that's every part of you that we can talk about concerning making sure you get the mind of Christ. From your soul to your heart, from the mind of your soul to your mind up in your head and your brain in your head, your spirit man, you have it all. Now it's up to what you do with it. We are all our own agent. My prayer is that you take the information that we have, combine that information with experiencing God for yourself, and see real manifestation of God in your life. Mm, love you so much. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for sending your son, Jesus, giving us the opportunity to be right with you. I thank you for inspiring other people to put down in the text that we call the Bible, your written word. We pursue you with the desire to learn. We pursue you through your word. And God, we aim to pursue you through real experience for ourselves. We want to lock in what we learn. We want to make it something that nobody and no situation can extract from us. Give us the diligence to remain a disciple. And give us the wisdom to sift through things that come our way or that we bring our way that good for us and the things that jump. Give us the strength to say no to the junk and yes to the good. Please help us to be more like you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.